Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. Today on Shareable, my guest is Yanni Kosminski. He's spent a decade in digital marketing and creative advertising globally, including places like Australia, which is where he's from, Los Angeles, and now Tel Aviv, developing digital strategy for the likes of Mercedes-Benz, MasterCard, Sony, Medtronic, and many eight-figure e-commerce brands. In 2018, Yanni expanded an e-commerce Amazon business from $2 million to $5 million in just 12 months, and that was sold in 2019. And a key driver was his ability to build fluid processes as well as a team of incredibly talented individuals out of the Philippines. And since January of 2020, Multiply Me and Escala have grown from a team of four to over 300 people on a payroll supporting more than 100 businesses that are responsible for more than $750 million in annual revenue. The guy knows what he's talking about. This episode was awesome. Yanni was great to talk to. He's really personable, really relatable. He has a really great heart. And one of the things that I love about this episode is that um, it is it is truly relatable. I found Yanni to be an extremely relatable person. His advice was really practical. The episode is rich with resources and recommendations, and it's for that reason that I think this episode is shareable. Yanni, what's up, man? It is really nice to be on Shareable with you. Thanks for coming on. Mate, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, man. So I, uh, I, I introduced this episode, told people a little bit why they should listen to it. I read your bio, uh, but I want to open with the question that I really want to, I want to, I want to know you better, right? And I think this is the number one question that I've found to be able to get to the heart of knowing someone better. And the question is, what is the dent you wish to make in the world? What is the dent that I wish to make in the world? I yeah, would man. Say how are you trying to make your existence change this world? So, so I would say as a baseline. I want to leave it better than when I got into it. <laughs> so, so that's that's as a baseline. But but ultimately, and you know, we started chatting a little bit before, and you know, all of my hopes and dreams are, are about effective altruism. So, how can I have the most positive impact on humanity uh, over the course of my lifetime? So, so maybe that's a big answer to uh, the, the the little dent that I'd like to make. Well, awesome. I want to explore the uh, the various aspects of that dent you're looking to make. Uh, and I want to save that for just a moment, but I want to start out the episode the way I like to start out the episode, which is with some real practical, tangible, valuable, uh, some immediately useful things for people that are listening or watching. Uh, so I call them the shareables. So I want to start out with just four different questions, recommendations from you, things that people can get to know about. Uh, so I want to start out with the book recommendation. What's one book you think everybody listening should read? Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Interesting choice. All right. Okay. Adding it to my list. Uh, what's something you've watched recently? Uh, it could be a YouTube uh, video. It could be a documentary. It could be a good show. It could be anything that you think it's important for people to go and check out. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. So would that, would that classify? No, no, no. We, we got that coming up. I need something you've watched. <laughs> 
something I've watched. Wow. I'm less of a digestible content user when it comes to, to video content, but even if it's something you kick back and relax to, it doesn't have to be something that's like going to change someone's life. It could just be something that's entertaining. Right, right, right. Well, I would say I just watched the new uh, Top Gun. So there's something that okay. people can enjoy. Yeah, got to get into that nostalgia, right? Okay, well, now I'll turn it over to the question that you were going to answer, which is something you've heard or listened to recently that you think people should go and check out or listen to. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely, definitely get into... I've got a couple for you here. So the first is The Almanac of Ravik Navikant, uh, mm -hmm. which is a lot of philosophy on how you should sort of live your life and also professionally is a very famous investor. Another one who I found out listening to the book he's actually very close friends with is a guy by the name of Elad Gill who wrote a book called The High Growth Handbook and it's about scaling companies. So again, things that are a little left center, but I think that anyone listening would get a lot of value out of. Cool. I like things left center that are uh, out of nowhere that I might not come across otherwise. That's what I think makes it shareable is I wouldn't have heard of those otherwise. So I appreciate that, man. All right. So what's something you've learned about recently that you think is interesting and worthwhile? It could be anything from like, I learned that ants can do X, Y, and Z all the way to, I learned this thing about business that is directly applicable. I learned again, I'm a big audiobook listen listener. Um, I learned a lot about how you can unlock what's called the traction integrator relationship from a book called uh, or Visionary Traction. Um, there's a book called Traction, Getting a Grip on Your Business, and in it talks about the relationship between the visionary, who's typically like the CEO, and the integrator, who is typically the COO to give them titles. And so it's a book literally geared around how you can get more value out of that relationship. And so, uh, yeah. I love that. There's a book called Rocket Fuel that has, I think, the same concept of like the visionary and the integrator. And it's funny, I, uh, I talk about that concept a lot because my business partner and I have that very relationship where my job is just to go off and dream stuff and think about how we're going to move things forward. And what she does really well and what she loves to do is to take that and help to turn it into practical, practical tangible steps and put it into value and put it into, into life. So it's, it's, it's a from great Rocket Fuel. That, that's, yeah. that's literally, that's the book. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, very cool. Uh, I appreciate those, uh, those shareables uh, for the audience. Um, so let's turn it to you now. So everyone has something that they can teach someone. Everyone has something that uh, they know about more so than others. It should be something that's tangible, practical, and immediately useful. And I want to know what you'd like to talk about today that is in, in that sort of uh, sweet spot of something tangible, practical, immediately useful, and that uh, is important for anyone who might be listening right now. Well, I would say taking sort of that that vein of things like traction and EOS and these business methodologies, I would say getting clarity on where you are at your best. What is your real unique ability or superpower or whichever you know vernacular or book or methodology you've read? I think that I am starting to come into my own and as a result, learning how I work backwards to get there. So I'd love to sort of talk a little bit about that today. Cool, cool. Start us off. Like, how did you um, develop an interest in that, or, or kind of where did it all begin for you? I would say it all began early on, um, probably from the standpoint of working for a lot of other people over the course of my career. I never felt like I had clear guidance or direction. It was sort of like do these tasks and stay really within side of this little square box of yours, and there was no sort of fluidity or movement. And it wasn't until I went off on to my own and I started to really explore what was possible and, and got clarity on like what I actually 
enjoyed and realizing, I think, once you sort of let go of the ego that you can't be good at everything and to build a really high value cohesive team, you have to relinquish a lot of control and also identify people who are your counterparts. And I think you sort of in the shareable content really outlined you and, you know, your partner and how you guys operate effectively as she's able to get into the nitty gritty details and deliver where you are what sounds like more of the visionary where you're coming up with the keys to actually understand, well, you probably have a thousand ideas a day, a week, and maybe a couple of them are good ones. And she's able to distill it down into something meaningful. So yeah, I would say that's a long-winded answer for you. No, it's not long-winded at all. I I think you've arrived right where we want to be. So talk to me about what you're doing right now and how that, that connects to that realization that you had about you know, making sure that you have the right people around you and making sure you want to make the impact and that, you know, you're sort of creating the the world that you want. Yeah, well, I would say that a lot of it comes down to the fact that over the course of the last three years, we've been able to, and I, and I, when I say we, I mean my team and I as a, as a group, none of this is possible without all the most important people that make it, you know, an actual reality here, is we've been able to stand up three companies uh, concurrently growing them concurrently and being able to sort of run with so many different moving pieces from technology to a consulting practice to a staffing business and now to an exit accelerator. There's just so many moving pieces. And I think through this journey, I've understood the very little role that I play versus everyone else and their inputs and and how we as a team drive to the same direction. Got it. So three companies you said, and like a fourth, it sounds like on the way in the last three years, take me back to the start of that. Like what, how did that all kind of like happen sort of like a a spark or was there like a 10 year journey leading up to this of ideation? Uh, Who did you have helping you out? Like kind of paint the picture for me of like the origin story of this, you know, kind of epic growth over the course of, of three years, standing up one company is tough in that time, stood up three and now your staff is up to what you said, like 350, right? Like the, the yep. team that, that does all of this stuff is like up to like 350. How did this kind of come together? Like what was the 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 initial idea that sparked it all off and then kind of who, who brought it all together with you? Yeah, well, I would say for anyone listening out there as well, um, you know, people start to recognize things and it's like an overnight success where the reality is like, I mean, you listening in right now, you're putting in the work, you know, it's a everything is a much longer journey than what it's perceived, you know, internally, like these things take many years to build. And so my journey started in creative advertising and digital marketing about 15 years ago. So my background was strategy for the likes of Sony and MasterCard and Mercedes-Benz and Medtronic always from the lens of a smaller digital agency or creative agency working with large enterprise clients. And about five years ago, when I moved to, to Tel Aviv, I'm sitting in from Israel today. And I met a couple of guys at an Amazon business. They were doing about 2 million in revenue. And, you know, I came in and I looked at it and I was like, you know, this is literally what you need. It's an agency to run everything that you're doing. And they were stuck there. And in about 12 months, we were able to grow it from two to $5 million. And, and that business was acquired uh, pretty soon after that. And so on the back of that experience, we'd actually built my co-founder and I Uh, a framework that would allow us to create what is now multiply me today. So, you know, the journey really started from having that ability to be sort of unchained and unshackled and taking that leap and joining 
you know, a, a couple of guys and partnering with them and then realizing, wow, there is so much more when I'm not confined to the restraints of having to do this one specific function in, in, in this one business, in this one sort of outlet. And I would say we realized pretty quickly that this could change a lot of lives in terms of finding high level talent at a fraction of the cost of a locally sourced team member. So that was sort of the, the inception or the experience around Multiply Me. But I think where it all really kicked off was when asked uh, two of the founding team members what their highest salary was working in corporate Philippines before they came and joined that Amazon business. And it was about, I'd say about three times higher than what we were paying them. And they were getting healthcare and social security and a bunch of other benefits. And I asked them why, you know, why would you take this salary cut? You know, we were an extremely profitable company. It didn't make sense that anyone would have to come and work with us and, you know, make a sacrifice. You know, we had like 10 people returning over 5 million, you know, maybe a little more than 10 people at that time when we were doing 5 million, but it wasn't, you know, it was a pretty good ratio here. So, Anyway, what they said was going into the BPO, the business process outsourcing space, like they weren't sure of the rates, like they just wanted to get in. And so I said, you know, all of that stops now. We're going to offer all the benefits. We're going to, you know, we are going to create an environment, a remote environment where it actually looks after as if you were working for a corporate Philippines. And so that was sort of the starting point of Multiply Me. Um, and that's sort of the core of our business, our ability to find the best people at you know, relatively low prices as it relates to the States, but paid, you know, very fairly. And then six months after that business, I actually interviewed, um, I interviewed this woman and she'd spent five years working at Ernst & Young in the Philippines in a process improvement function inside of, inside of the business. Um, and I interviewed her and she really wanted to work for a startup. She was applying for a project manager role inside of our marketing function. I get on this call with her and I said, listen, like you're definitely coming to work with us, but there's no chance in hell I'm going to have you wasting your talents as a project manager inside of a marketing function. Like you're just wait, you're just as in no disrespect to, I think it's one of the most critical roles in a, yeah. in a marketing function is a project manager. Um, I'm sure you could tell uh, the listeners all about that too, but specifically with that skill set, is very, very unique. And so, she ran the first project internally. And on the back of that, it was just, you know, to the moon. I was like, we can really turn this into something that could help, again, a lot of, a lot of lives. So that happened six months after Multiply Me. Um, in the background, we've been building technology for the last sort of couple of years. And we're about to have our alpha release, which is really exciting. That's, again, to support the Multiply Me business. And then now we have a joint venture with an investment bank and a fintech where we're going to inject millions of dollars of capital into e-commerce businesses, help them grow, and then look to sell them sort of 12, 18, 24 months later. And the business is called South Coal. So, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a little bit as to sort of the journey and the, how it's happened and how it's come to be. Yeah, dude. I, and the thing I love about that story, I think it like – one of the most astonishing facts to me about talking to people who do, you know, I've I've done over 200 episodes of Shareable. I've talked with all different people. at a podcast before that. I've spoken with like hundreds of people at this point. And the, the, the part that astonishes me consistently is how false the narrative is of the overnight success and how almost everyone I've spoken to, I would say 90 some odd percent, that have come upon success in some way, that the idea, whatever it was, was in the making, so to speak, 
based on their their cumulative work over time that it was they put in the work and then something happened and then they slightly changed a thing and then they were like oh maybe we could try that and it's like it it developed over time and we have this myth of like you sit down you write the business plan you start up it opens up and then boom there it is like you either win you did the market responds and it 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 works or it doesn't work and i'm so i'm so fascinated by how many of these stories come about organically that there's just this series of things that happen. And one of the other things that I really appreciated about uh, the story that you just uh, laid out there is to have the foresight, or, or, or I guess the, um, it wasn't really foresight, I guess just to have the insight to be able to see that this person from EY. Yeah, whatever it is, the spice, yes, thank you. This is very <laughs> on brand. Um, to, to notice that this person coming from EY that's applying for a PM role to see like, Yes, you probably could do this. You could probably crush it. But you're also dramatically overqualified and you have this other unique ability. You have this unique superpower that we can harness and turn into something else that it's going to benefit not just us as a company, but it's going to benefit you to be able to like spread your wings and do a thing you're really capable of. And I appreciate that because I think a lot of people in hiring roles will often see uh, and this is, a, you know, I'd love for you to to take the ball and run with this after I'm done here. But I think a lot of, um, since you're with, you know, you have staffing uh, as as one of the arms of your businesses. I think a lot of people, um, because of the nature of capitalism and like keeping labor costs as low as possible and maximizing profit, that they see their people as like resources and employee numbers rather than as human beings that are dynamic and capable and have their own vision and purpose and goals with them. Um, and, and it's just so refreshing, I think, to see success on the back of treating people in the way where they are unique and dynamic and have superpowers. So maybe you could talk a little bit about um, kind of where you noticed that you wanted to do things differently. Like what what was kind of a catalyst uh, that either preceded that or happened in that moment that said to you, OK, we could probably give this person this role, but we probably should give them this role instead. Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, I, I'd actually take it back to right at the start of my career and even the very first job before I got into digital for a year that I walked away from a $40,000 commission paid or take an unpaid internship. And that's, I would say, my, my career up, I worked in a recruitment company and it was all based on like headhunting, hardcore headhunting, and it was all commission, virtually commission only. And I had to sit on these roles and only after three months what I've got paid and I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. And it was, you know, there's, there's the age old saying like no one quits a job. They quit a boss or a manager or someone that hasn't sort of, you know, looked out for them and done it the right way. And I would say my entire career, and I've had, been very fortunate to work with some very talented people over the course of my career, but I would say no one really, no one really invested in me um, in, and sort of showed me like how, I figured everything out, you know, I was sort of left to figure everything out myself as opposed to, I would say, empowering people to give them real accountability and responsibility and to sort of build them a, a roadmap in how they can further their career professionally. And so I always sort of look back from the lens of, I was always thinking from a strategy perspective when I was doing digital strategy was, well, how would I approach this equation? Then how would my manager approach this equation? And then how would the owner of the agency approach the relationship with the manager and then how I presented my work. And so by the time I'm delivering anything, it's an absolute Frankenstein of a piece of work and it's not really what I wholeheartedly believe in. So 
I guess going all the way back, I wanted to create a reality where people enjoyed work for the most part and were literally enabled to live and, and, and sort of dive into their superpower and unlock what that looks like. And so I'd say that's definitely been like a fundamental building block. And so when it comes to her name, her name's Ping, when it came to Ping, she really just wanted to work at a startup. Like when I asked her her motivations and her interests, she'd applied for two before that and they both went under before she was actually able to join. And I also realized like someone who is that talented um, has a lot of imp- input, impact and, you know, wants to be a driving force. And so while she could have done great, like you very clearly articulated and she would have crushed she would have been the best project manager ever. It still, it still would have been doing her a disservice and us a disservice as a business. Today we have more than thirty-five full-time uh, management consultants. Most of them coming out of EY, Accenture, Deloitte, McKinsey, and Bain. Uh, and it's all because you know she actually d- dove in and said, "I'm going to take on this. I'm going to take on this challenge, and we're going to actually, you know, effectively, for lack of a better term." help democratize process improvement management consulting. And that's and that's what we've done sort of inside of the e-commerce space. So again, I'm giving you long-winded answers, but I'm seeing smiles, I'm seeing nods. I know you're no, loving no, it. No, 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 so. no. <laughs> I'll tell you why I'm smiling right here is that, um, so there are a couple things that kind of lit me up when you said them. And, I want, and, and uh, I'm gonna have a question on the back end of this, but I'm just gonna real quick say, um, you said people don't leave jobs, they leave bad managers, right? And I wrote an entire book, The Lovable Leader, that in many ways is like my love song to the antithesis of bad bosses. Like <laughs> I wrote the entire book in many ways as a response to all of the bad bosses I had to endure in my career, all of the bad management, all of the stress and anxiety and frustration that came out of being me in the world that isn't designed for people like me. Um, you know, I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. School was not particularly well designed for me. College was not well designed for me. My jobs where I had to have some sort of structure or hierarchy, not particularly well designed for me. I had to do a lot of different things that I'm not well structured for. And very rarely similar to you, I felt confined. I didn't feel like I was free to flourish with the things that I do well, which is why I eventually went to work for myself. And the reason that I was smiling as you were talking and the reason that I was thinking is that I see a lot of us out there where we go and do our own thing primarily because there's not an environment for us often that allows us to just be who we are and and step into what we do. And at the same time, doesn't make us feel seen or acknowledged. And what I've seen time and time again with people like us, I mean, I wrote a book called The Lovable Leader, for God's sake. And you're talking about how you can democratize process improvement and create uh, environments where people are fairly inadequately compensated and like you're stepping up to bat for those things to make people be seen and acknowledged. And it comes, I think from this place of, for lack of a better term, trauma, right? Like we, we came from these environments where we didn't have that. So then when we have the opportunity to create those spaces, we do. So, um, I'm wondering how much, when you think about your management style, your, your thought process around building these companies, there's a value that's there that's like kind of underlying everything that you do. And you mentioned at the at the top when we talked about the dent you want to make in the universe, like leave it better than you found it, right? When you think about the various inputs, if you were to be able to just kind of like list them off, like here are the things that I think make me want to do it that way. 
how would you kind of like what's the prior what's the hierarchy there of the things that make you want to approach building businesses in this way be a good person to put it really really simply like that I'd it seems so simple doesn't it, <laughs> it 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 does seem so simple i think people i think people get um it's almost like it's stuck or, or, or lured into a false sense of reality where if they focus on themselves, if they focus on what, you know, what's in it for them and how they can approach it and take that sort of, you know, that, that scarcity mindset and, you know, it's like a, everything's a zero sum game, you know, you sort of can get lured in and saying, well, if this person is making money or if this person, if I'm paying them all this money, then that's the money that I'm not getting. And, and, you know, it, it can lead you down a, a pretty, I'd say a pretty nasty rabbit hole. Um, whereas yeah. if you sort of take the opposite approach, and I really have that sort of abundance mindset where, you know, everyone can win. Like it's really, it, it's the world is geared to where everyone really can win. And so I look at it as I have to do one thing really well as, as the CEO of the companies, um, two out of the three of them, I'm the CEO at the moment. And hopefully I can continue to, remove titles off my plate and you know do the next thing because i i don't care about the power and that there's no ego here i'd love someone else to step up and bat here but if i look after my people if i look after the people that are actually doing a lot of the day-to-day operations and work and they're actually enjoying it and i incentivize them to be better at the things that they are already the best at because we've identified that the right person in the right seat and they're you know they're being and they're performing and they're, they're, they're hitting their performance incentives, then all of a sudden they'll look after the company. And that's really it. If I just, all I have to do is look after them and the rest should take care of itself. I love it, man. So um, to kind of, to make that point crystallized, to, to kind of bring it all home on that, how would you say that the experience over the last three years of building these companies, the various interactions you've had, the various decisions you've made that have worked out, the ones you've made that haven't worked out, the whole experience over the last three years in your role and what you've seen, how would you say that, one, it's transformed you in terms of where you started versus where you are now? Like, what's changed about you as a result of the process and about going through that? And then how would you say that you feel it maybe has made that tiny dent in the world? Like, what's the what's the result you feel like you've been able to accomplish over those three years Um you know, with the eye towards the future of continuing it. Yeah. So how have I evolved as a person was the first part of that question. Yeah. Like how's it, how have you transformed and and changed over the course of this time? Well, I would say over the course of the last sort of three or so years, um, I sort of look at what was my potential when I was working at these other businesses or what percentage of my potential was I actually accessing and, I think sort of once I stepped into this role and, you know, cut away sort of any of the constraints that I was used to experiencing, I was probably realizing maybe 5 or 10% of my potential up to that point of my career. And I'd say right now I'm probably still, you know, I'm at 20 or 30%, you know, I am constantly looking to evolve, but that's a pretty significant jump already, uh, I would say, in the last three years. So I feel like I've personally evolved uh, quite a bit in terms of my ability to understand my unique ability and realize how to sort of remove any of the distractions or hurdles that would otherwise have kept me bogged down historically. Um, and I would say on the other 
side of the coin or the the second part of the question like you know how is this making the dent or realizing some of the 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 things that i hope to achieve i mean i always lead in with the total head count that we have um and i do that from the standpoint that you know the 350 people that we have on payroll today each one of them puts food on the table for themselves and their family and i know that we're doing it in an ethical way where they're getting healthcare benefits and social security and HMO and 13th month and all the things that are deserving to them. Um, and I would say if I wanted to even take it a step further, I mean, you know, I'm not one of those guys who sits there and screenshots and shares, and this is what my team have sent me. But like, I mean, I'd say that probably doesn't go a month by where, you know, someone reaches out and says how it's impacted their life or, you know, last month, one of our guys who've been working with us for two years, it was the first time that he's ever been able to buy a car. Um, you know, he, he he bought his first car and that was, you know, absolutely life-changing. So I'd say like it's those those moments for me that, that matter. And, you know, I literally, one of our head of recruitment, it's his wedding uh, or it was his wedding on Saturday. And we literally got photos from about 12 of our 120 that's sort of reporting to us, 12 of the team that were actually flew into Manila to be there for his wedding. I mean, you know, we've created something so much more than just a remote work environment. We've created, you know, a real sense of belonging. And so, I mean, I could talk about this stuff forever, Jeff, because this is the stuff that I really give a shit about. Yeah. No, man, I dig that. I dig that. Um, and I absolutely love talking about belonging at work. I love talking about helping people feel seen and creating environments of care environments of safety, environments of trust. Like those are the things that I think we as leaders and companies have the power to affect. And I think to your point, the trickle, the the, the ripple effects of, of those decisions uh, to create a company in that way and to um, consistently stay on top of the culture so that it reinforces those values. And the ripple effects of that isn't just what happens at work. It's how those people then carry themselves out into their next roles or in how they conduct each other, conduct themselves with each other or with their families. So I do think that we have an enormous responsibility as leaders for the things that we do and not just think, well, we just have to pay attention to top line or, or bottom line. Um, you know, we have to do more than that. We have to see people as people. And I appreciate that you're out there doing this work. Uh, it, you know, it's amazing the success you've had uh, in being able to scale over the course of this three years. When we look back on what we've been talking about today and we talk a little bit about pieces of being a good person, leave the world better than when you started, um, trying to find ways of, of um, looking inside of yourself and seeing what it is that you want to do and then going out there and trying to make it happen, building better companies from the things you felt maybe you were lacking. When you, when you take all of that together and you try to boil it down into like, what's the one clear takeaway that someone listening should walk away from this episode having heard our conversation, what's the thing you want if they get nothing else out of this episode? What do you want them to walk away with? I want them to walk away with a sense of really thinking through the decisions that they make on a day to day. And instead of having this rush or goal to get to where they want to be yesterday, to really think, how can I simply be a good human and look out for all the people that I come across in my day-to-day -day life and how can I leave them in a better place than hopefully when you came across them. And if you just sort of took on that approach, then I think you'd find pretty quickly. And again, for me, it's not about, it's, it's, it's the gift of giving without the expectation of reciprocation that is what's meaningful to me. But I think what you inherently find is that a lot more people 
are going to look out for you if you're just simply a good person. And so just by, by way of altruism, um, things will simply align to being a, a better reality for both you and, and everyone you touch. I love it, man. Well, I want to share what I'm taking away from this episode because uh, one of the dirty secrets that I, I let be very well known is that I do this podcast because I get to talk to amazing people and I get to learn from amazing people. So what I'm taking away from this episode is reinforcing the idea that collectivism or just a more collective mindset is vastly superior to an individualistic mindset in terms of the measurable, tangible results for the greatest number of people. And that decentering yourself from being the sole occupant of the results that you're trying to get and instead thinking more broadly about the team and about yourself as part of a community of people. To me, I, I just love the fact that I get to meet people that are out there doing that because sometimes when you look out into the market, you see so much that is really – it's um, it's concerning. It is uh, depressing that it is so – um, dismissive of the value of each individual human and to see that there's people out there doing the work like you're doing it uh, and espousing the the beliefs that you have and and living those values and I'm sure screwing up at times but also recommitting and redoubling down to try and make that a reality. Uh, I just really appreciate that. Uh, so that's what I'm taking away from this is that uh, there are still people out there that are, that are making waves with that and seeing success with it. So thank you for doing that work. Um, I want to ask you to, to just take a moment to tell people where they can connect with you. Uh, take a moment to share where they can get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, and find you leading the way. Yeah. Uh, well, before I do that, I'd just like to say, Jeff, thanks so much for for having me and letting me share, and I hope people took some value out of it. Um, I, I really love that we didn't even speak about what I do and my work, and you know, it, it's, it, it's not about that. It's about how you add value and so anyway, thanks for creating this yeah. space and, you know, and, and thanks for, for having me on. So um, people can find me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Yoni Kosminski um, is my name and, and you'll find me there. Um, I've got a podcast called Successful Scales, which is all about scaling businesses and it's turning into a bit of a more of a platform where there's just going to be informational and educational things around growing businesses. So there's value. We are Escala.com, uh, MultiplyMe.com, Southcoal co um there's a few links that'll probably uh end up in the show notes so there you go they will all be there i promise <laughs> awesome man uh well thank you for all that uh all of those links will go in the show notes so that everybody can connect with you whatever your podcast is you could whatever podcast app you use if you're listening uh you could probably just like swipe to the right or up or down or something like that and you'll probably see all the show notes and at the bottom uh you'll have links to everything where you can connect with yanni um so here's where i want to close out though is that uh the the way I like to end the episode, and I didn't give you the heads up about this, uh, but um, I like to close out each episode with gratitude. And uh, here's how I like to do it is I want you to think about a lovable leader from your life somewhat. And, and I'll define that for you in case it's not like some people immediately think of like, oh, that person was a lovable leader. But I'm going to define what I mean by that. I mean, someone who exhibited care from your past it doesn't have to be a manager or boss. It could be literally anyone. Somebody who exhibited care who exhibited the ability to create and you really trusted them. There was a deep feeling of trust with them and that they also made you feel safe in pursuing big goals in your life. They gave you a feeling that you could do that. And what I'd like to do at this point is just mute myself and I'd like you to actually talk directly to them on this episode. Let them know what they did for you. Thank them for their leadership and how what they did made an impact for you. So 
I would say the one that comes to mind first and is most current is Michael Barron. Uh, Michael Barron is a mentor. So mate, uh, really just appreciate you investing an hour a week with me every single week. And, you know, the guidance and the space that you've been able to create has been honestly uh, life-changing, uh, not to put it, uh, you know, not even that, that might even be understatement uh, right there. So yeah, Michael, thanks so much for, creating that space and and sitting with me every week, it has definitely uh, meant a tremendous amount and excited to many more years of it. I want to thank my guests for coming on to Shareable to share their experience and their wisdom. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for coming back and giving us the gift of your attention. There are two questions that everyone asks themselves before sharing a piece of content. One, what does sharing this content say about me? And two, will my friends, peers, or colleagues enjoy it? Think about those questions, and if you like the answer, please consider sharing this episode on your social media or send it to someone you think would enjoy it. Remember that together, we can change the world. It starts with what we give our attention to, what we share and spread, and what we collectively work toward. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who care, who work to build trust, and who stand for creating safety. I believe that is the key to creating a kinder, safer, and more equitable world. And if you ask me, that's an idea worth sharing. So between that and the generosity of my amazing guest, I guess the best way to describe this episode would be shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.